Check the program. 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 Welcome to Check the Program, a kitchen table podcast by four sometimes arts journalists who saw a desperate need for arts coverage in the city and decided to do something about it. I'm Amanda Farrell Lowe. I'm John Threlfall. I'm Sarah Petrescu, and um, our friend Melanie Trollope Cooper is um, not with us this episode, uh, so we'll miss her new baby, Saskia. So we'll see her next time, though. Yeah, she promises to be here in August. Yeah. So we've got lots of great stuff for this um, this podcast, lots of reviews. We're going to talk about Hedwig, Scoffest, Barefoot in the Park, Gentlemen of Verona, Julius Caesar, um, a show called Constellations, and we also have a special documentary on Wonderment music series, um, some local news, and uh, we're going to preview some upcoming events. Before we begin, however, uh, I'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking and Coast Salish peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we are discussing has also been created and performed here. And since a lot of them are happening outdoors, I think that's especially uh, important to keep in mind these days when we are watching things like the Shakespeare Fest on the mm-hmm. coast and lawns, and uh, when you're down in the parks or along the waterway watching things like Wonderment. Um, it's important to keep that in mind, like who is here first and what our responsibilities are for being here now. So let's get started. Um... Briefly, it's a little bit in the past now, but we all went and saw Hedwig, right? We We did. That was great. Yeah, Yeah, really, really good. I know it was my first time seeing it, I'm embarrassed to admit, but I loved it. And yeah. And did we all see it at the Belfry or did anyone see it at the Capitol Ball? I saw it at the Capitol Ball. What was it like seeing it there? I was curious. Um, It was great, yeah, to see it in the nightclub setting, which I think is kind of the authentic setting. Um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch Rock Musical, uh, presented by Atomic Vaudeville for, I think, fourth year I'm not sure um, but it's been a number of years that, the, that they've uh, done this show um, with the incredible leads uh, Griffin Lee and Jana Morrison two amazing performers local performers so in Capitol Ballroom just that nightclub setting last year I saw the same show at Upstairs Cabaret that would be mm. such, oh, that's right. such a great spot yeah. to see yeah it's like seems like the grittier setting the better mm-hmm. uh it's fun you can you know everyone's having a drink and the crowd's a little bit raunchy and loud mm. and people dress up and it's just you know something about seeing that show and it still sort of smells like beer <laughs> yeah oh i'm sure yeah was it nice and loud it was very loud and um yeah made good use of the of the space yeah. and the stage so what was it like seeing it in the theater setting That'd well be one of the things that i thought about the belfry show is that it wasn't loud enough mm-hmm. I, I i did want more volume i wanted more volume from the band and i wanted more volume from the vocals for sure um but i didn't mind seeing it in the belfry like it was nice to see it in uh, a nice soft seat venue and yeah the, uh, mm-hmm. you know the acoustics were great and i thought they were really solid they've done it so many times yeah like, you know they've yeah. got good rapport uh you know it was definitely seemed more polished than the last time I saw it, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It just seemed like a more solid production, yeah. and I enjoyed the band a lot this time. Yeah, I thought the band was really, really good, and yeah. of course, like the costumes were really great, and yeah, the yeah. yeah and I, I liked your review, John. What you had talked about, um, just taking your kid and yeah. sort of what 
what that meant to you. Do you yeah, because I had a similar experience as a teenager with Rocky Horror. That like that was sort of my coming out of to alternate lifestyles and stuff. Was seeing that for the first time when I was sixteen, and uh, and I thought it was the perfect thing to take my sixteen year old to to Hedwig, and you know he's trans. Hedwig's about a trans character, and you know it's pretty. It's a great way that the arts can really provide uh, a sense of uh, community for people. Yeah. I know so many people with Rocky Horror stories. Oh, you know, like really? just like with sure. like stories about how that show like changed them. You know, absolutely, like, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. That just like it just opened their eyes to like this whole other world. That for they me, as existed. a sixteen-year-old in nineteen eighty in Burnaby, living the the white bread suburban lifestyle, to see that on the screen and be like, "What the hell is this all about?" and it just opened me up to this whole other world. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic, and I never went back. And speaking of Rocky Horror, the same crew, inclu- including Griffin, will be doing Rocky Horror in October. Yeah, Excellent. definitely go. That show is super fun to dress up, and people are, now it's got a following. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, uh, as well it should. Oh, yeah, the, the crowd gets rowdy, which is fun. I don't yeah. like that audience participation where you get singled out and mm-hmm. like have to do something stupid on stage. Yeah. But I love being in an audience, shouting back and throwing things and yeah, like having a good time. So Yeah, yeah. October will be interesting. Interesting. I've heard rumors now that uh, uh, that other local musical outfit, uh, brand new, called Star Star Skies. I hear they're working on a Halloween show too. I'm not <laughs> going to say anything about it yet because it's uh, apparently hush hush at this point. Competing. Ooh. So Halloween like shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I won't leak anything yet. Cool, but when yeah. we go off the air, I'll tell you. <laughs> but yeah, I thought Hedwig was really great, and I was happy to see it again. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. Um, going in order of shows that we've seen, I'll just give a little shout out to Scottfest and the 20th year, um, one of the sort of stalwart festivals of downtown Victoria, and it was great this year. I went four nights, uh, there were two free ones and lots of people showed up, um, very family oriented. Mm. And like a major, amazing homage slash throwback to the 90s <laughs> ska fashion. <laughs> and um, really, um, what do they call them? The scoffia of Victoria. <laughs> it just had like a very loving feel for yeah. the festival, which was really nice. Um, the headliners uh, were Kimani Marley, um, Bob Marley's son, who did some incre- did, you know, incredible renditions of his music with a full band and um, backup singers and just like um, incredible um, Bob Marley tributes. Every hippie in town was there. They're all singing along. <laughs> Everyone had to light a joint right when the song started. That was, I was amazing. Like, oh my God. <laughs> really? So, but, um, but also his own original music was great. Definitely more of a hip hop political mm-hmm. feel and it just was a really great show. Um, one band, I'm not a huge ska fan, so I was kind of like, eh, plug my ears for some of it. But, um, but there was a great band there called The Steadies. They're ska funk from Saskatoon, and their frontman slash bassist was the bassist from Widemouth Mason. Oh. Super fun, great band, and I just saw that they're playing Cobble Hill um, at a winery called Enrico Winery. I haven't heard of on July 13th. Oh, so oh. I might try to go up for that. They're yeah. really good. Oh, so awesome. I always forget. I always go to festivals for a band, and then I remember after being there that the best part of festival music festivals is discovering new music. Sure, That's true. Yeah, always. Yeah. 
Um, the other thing I saw, just uh, one last thing of uh, things that we saw, I saw uh, Pamela Bethel's After the Beep, which is uh, much like Hedwig, you know, one of those shows that has played in town many times, and uh, for whatever reason, I just never got to it before. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really great, and uh, a nice piece by her uh, built on an old answering machine messages, and it brought back lots of lots of memories for me from the time hmm. of, I used to do kooky answering machine messages too. And, you know, it was it was really great to see, and she took it off to the couple of fringes this summer, so it was sort of pre-fringe mounting of that. Cool. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I guess we'll get into some meteor meteor some reviews. Plays, serious plays. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about things that are still running, yes. so that yeah. people can actually. <laughs> and go oh maybe i'll go see that yeah okay um, so great victoria the... shakespeare festival let's talk about that um i went to two gentlemen of verona uh which runs through to end of july uh on the grounds of commotion college uh it's a it's shakespeare i'd never seen two gents yeah i'd never um, even heard of it honestly. yeah i i mean <laughs> i'd heard of it uh it's shakespeare's first play believed to be shakespeare's first play so it's not necessarily his best play uh, one of the interesting things about it, you can play, uh, spot the idea for future plays in it <laughs> as you, you know, as the whole thing unfolds. There's even a point where somebody's, uh, you know, up on a balcony and somebody else is talking about the light and everything like that. And it's like, oh, look, here's a little germ of an idea, you know, <laughs> and uh, people going to the forest and women cross-dressing as men, like, you know, brothers. And like, it's, it's a lot of things that Shakespeare yeah. picks up later and builds on. Uh, that said, it's, it's definitely not his best, but... For a nearly 500-year-old comedy, it's still very funny. Uh, a lot of that is due to Christopher Waddell's direction. He did a really great job with directing, keeping it bright and lively, using really great body language and gesticulation and manners uh, to get the dialogue across for people. Uh, I, again, I took my 16-year-old uh, who laughed all the way through it. Oh, and that's always a, a good... Yeah. yeah, for a nearly three-hour show, uh, to have a 16-year-old laughing at a 500-year-old play, like that says something right mm-hmm. there, uh, especially one delivered in Shakespearean verse. Uh, Plot-wise, you know, is there any point going into a lot of detail about it? Uh, <laughs> Uh, two dudes uh, from Verona, they travel to Milan, uh, and then there, uh, one falls in love with uh, another woman, and one leaves behind the woman that he loves, and uh, their friendship sort of uh, falls apart. One turns out to be sort of a deceitful jerk. Uh, the other one gets banished so that his buddy can go after the woman he loves. Uh, meanwhile, the woman who's left behind, uh, she travels to see what's going on, dresses as a man, uh, sees her lover in love with somebody else, uh, there's thieves in a forest, there's, you know, uh, dukes who are disapproving, there's a nun with a ruler who's whacking people, <laughs> there's a couple of really funny comic characters, there's even a little dog. Um, but it, all in all, it was very good. Uh, I enjoyed the performance quite a bit. Uh, Jack Hayes and Doug Peerless were both in the leads as the two gents. Uh, they worked really well together, they had good banter. Um, but the, the better parts were definitely the women in the show. Uh, Holly Collis Hanford uh, was Julia, and she was just delightful. I really enjoyed her performance all the way through. And uh, she was really great. And I almost wanted it to be, uh, you know, two women from Milan, the two gentlemen of Verona, because they were really, I yeah. thought, the best part of the show. Um, but the, the two comic servants were really great as well. Taylor Lewis was hilarious with his dog, and Matthew Whedon was very, very funny as well. And it was a nice comic turn uh, with a chap by the name of Danny Soretsky as a vapid rival suitor, and he was just very fun. Um, but much like you were saying with costumes at uh, Barefoot in the Park, uh, the costumes here were fantastic. Michelle Clements Mitchell's 
costumes. Um, it's very much a 60s era, sort of a, an Italian look to it all. So I felt it was sort of like Gigi's Roman holiday. Everyone looked really <laughs> bright and colorful. There was even like a jazzy dance break in the middle of it all. And I had a great time. Um, I would encourage anyone to go to the Shakespeare Festival just because it's a lovely way to spend yeah, an evening. I really love the of Camosun College. You got a pillow, they give you blankets, there's chairs you can sit on, uh, you can bring food, make a picnic out of it. Totally. You can have food delivered to the site as well. So it's a lovely way to spend an evening or an afternoon. They do matinees as well. Uh, yeah, so they've really got got it dialed in after how many totally years of doing they it. Do. Yeah. They totally they Another do. Another 20-year-plus festival yeah. in town. Yeah, yeah, and I really enjoy it. I've enjoyed it since it found its feeding up at uh, Camosun College as well. It floated around town to various venues yeah. before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Two Gentlemen in Verona, I would highly uh, recommend that as the comedy part of uh, the Shakespeare Fest this year. And you saw the uh, the not-comedy part. The not-comedy, yeah, yeah. The uh, historical drama, <laughs> Julius Caesar, which was um, very well served by that setting mm. because it's a play about war, basically, and battles. So when they're talking about going to, you know, the fields of Philippi to see people running down a field mm. and like yelling from a rock, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's awesome way to see it amongst the trees. So yeah, it was very, you know, Julius Caesar, very famous story, um, kind of about a sort of venerated, uh, leader who, um, is uh, maybe a little too powerful and kind of gets a bit of a takedown by his a bit the closest allies. <laughs> so it was an interesting uh, presentation of, of the of the of Caesar, and um, it included many of the same cast hmm. members, which is really impressive that these people are doing. Yeah, these they usually do that. Well, I'll tell you, it's a repertory company, yeah. but doing two Shakespeare shows with That's... you know a mix of community and professional actors. It's a lot of lions. Like, it is a, a, lot a lot of, of uh, yeah. and two. You know, one of the things I found with. And, and with this show, and the director, um, Tamara McCarthy, had said she sort of struggled with how to present it. Do you put, do you take it to a present place and try to present it in a modern era, which some people have done with Caesar and sort of likened, likened Caesar to like a Trump character, or like Mussolini or something, um, or do you just set it in the time? And what she chose to do was to really focus on the words so the set is very minimal. The costumes are very subdued. Uh, the issue with focusing on the words in an outdoor setting is that it can be really yeah. hard to hear. Mm. So people have to project. And they did a really good job with that. But when you're focusing on projecting, sometimes it's just a different focus. So maybe some of the um, connection to the characters can yeah, be Yeah, they're more different. like standing and delivering kind of thing? or Yeah, and I thought the cast did a really great job. Like, they, they did really well. Um, the ones, you know, there's always the the actors, and sometimes they're the background actors or, you know, smaller parts. The people who put a little extra masala into it, really, it just came off much better. Mm. Like, it just it had, a, it had a different energy. So there are a few standout, um, standout uh, performances. But, I mean, some of the, you know, most famous lines in theater are from... Julius Caesar, like friends, Romans, countrymen, and I never know what comes after that. Yeah, that very The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but mm. in ourselves. And you know, sure. a two, dear Brutus. Mm-hmm. So there are some great lines, um, and it's and it's wonderful to see 
you know, those whole speeches, speeches performed. So yeah, some of the highlights were um, uh, James McAndrew, who played uh, Julius Caesar, was very, you know, pretty, pretty understated, but did well in that role. And it's not the most interesting role in in the play yeah because he gets um, marked out you know he's, yeah he's sort of, you know he's sort of little, it's it's the one he wasn't the one struggling he just yeah. basically got taken out yeah <laughs> so marcus brutus was played by jack hayes mm. also jack sure. hayes who did an excellent job at sort of being that struggling mm-hmm. you know the struggling comrade and also just uh presented the struggle of youth almost and sort of struggling with your own ideals so i thought he did well um Mark Antony um, was played by Angela Kostiniak. Mm. So several of the roles that may have traditionally been played by men were played by women, and it worked great. Um, she had a very sort of stoic, um, neutral presence, so I thought that was great. And uh, again, Isabella Jampala, um was the passionate Portia, and mm. she was another one of those who brought a little extra, I don't know, stage presence or yeah. something to, to the show, and, and she was quite enjoyable. And Douglas Peerless who was also in, in uh, Verona, also just has an excellent presence on stage. Uh, Taylor Lewis mm. was really funny in this. He had one probably the only funny part in the whole play, um, as Cinna the poet who, um, who gets torn apart mm-hmm. um, by the people and literally gets torn apart, <laughs> like limbs thrown in the air. <laughs> I, think, I think an arm got caught in a tree. Wow. <laughs> so hopefully someone got it down. <laughs> So, and I always, I love that they have a junior company in their shows. I don't know. Was it that same in Verona? Yeah, yep, mostly some, the chorus. Yeah. Some kids? Yep. So cool to mm. see, you know, young kids, teenagers um, take part in these shows. And it's so important for them. And uh, yeah, so just had a great energy. So that plays till uh, July 27th. And I think it's Verona, actually, that's going to be at uh, yeah. Sax Point. Yeah, that that's right? right. So Verona switches over to Sax Point and Esquimalt mm-hmm. for August 1st to the 3rd. Yeah. Uh, and I bet it would be a nice venue for it as well. Mm-hmm. Sax Point is a nice place for an outdoor show. For yeah. Sure. yeah. I'd like to see Caesar at Fort Rod Hill. I'm sure it's been performed there before, but that by somebody. That would be a neat spot for but I think it would yeah. be really cool. I was just out there last weekend uh, with my family, and it would be s- such a great setting that's for, a good, that's for a good place. Spot, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great. Well, it sounds like it's a good year at the Shakespeare Fest. Yeah. Uh, Amanda, you went to Barefoot in the Park? Yeah, yeah. So Bluebridge uh, is uh, doing the uh, Neil Simon classic comedy, Barefoot in the Park, which uh, I've seen uh, quite a few Neil Simon plays before. Uh, this is one I had not seen before, mm. surprisingly. Um, so 1963 comedy. Uh, some folks may know the uh, film which uh, Robert Redford and Jane Fonda, 1967 film. Sure. Um, so this show is kind of the main characters are newlyweds, Corey and Paul Bradder. The play opens on them uh, walking into their apartment that they've just moved into. Uh, they've been married for six days and it's up five flights of stairs in New York City. And, you know, the, uh, Corey's got all these grand ideas about this new apartment and this new life they're going to start together but you know the furniture hasn't arrived and of course the apartment's not really what she uh, remembered it being mm-hmm. when she picked it out and uh, of course things kind of start to uh, spiral from there and Corey's kind of this uh, Corey is played by Laura Jane Tresseter uh, she's kind of this really impulsive outgoing energetic character and her husband Paul who's played by Jonathan Mason is a little more he's a lawyer mm-hmm. 
uh, a little more cautious and reserved and so it's kind of about their two personalities clashing and soon we get uh, introduced to uh, Corey's mother Ethel who's played by Gwyneth Walsh who's like kind of this uh, has a little more in common with her husband Paul she's a uh, little more reserved and kind of judgmental character and then shortly after that we meet this character named Victor who is there very uh, played by uh, Chris Britton who is this very eccentric neighbor who lives in this apartment above theirs uh, and uh, Corey gets this idea that she'd like to set the two up on a blind date mm. and anyway it kind of uh, spirals from there um, so I quite enjoyed this production I more frankly, quite more than I thought I would. Mm, mm, um, I sometimes find plays from this era, you know, some of the uh, ideas and concepts in them, I find them to be a little dated and uh, sometimes a little icky, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, I actually found uh, a lot of things in this play I, I really liked. Um, the performances were all really great. Uh, these are, uh, you know, Blue Bridge prides itself on its pairing of young performers with veteran performers, and they do a great job with this. The two leads are obviously a young couple paired with these veteran actors, and they do a really great job of all of getting solid productions or performances out of all of them. Uh, Fran Gabbard is the uh, director here. She does a really excellent job. The The set is, or the entire play takes place in this apartment which I find is rather funny for a play called Barefoot in the Park. <laughs> you never once see a park. It's all in this tiny, cramped New York apartment. But uh, you have the actors slamming doors, going in and out of closets, at one point scaling windows, mm. Uh, mm. going up and down uh, imaginary stairs, that kind of thing. So much action takes place in this little apartment. Really great direction, really great performances. And uh, even though the play is 50 years old, some of the ideas and concepts in it are felt pretty timely, you mm. know? There's uh, some conversations around like consent and getting into situations that are kind of uncomfortable and actions being around that being called out and that actually forms a pretty uh, central conflict in the, in the show, which sort of surprised me, to be honest. Um, but I felt like the, uh, my favorite part of the show was actually the set and costumes. Mm. The, uh, set designer Hans, uh, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, so I apologize, Seth Cow. Uh, it's this kind of old loft apartment with this skylight. And for the first, like, third of the show, it's bare because there's this whole thing about the furniture not being delivered. But then the furniture finally does get delivered and you've got this kind of scene change where they're decorating the apartment and they finally get all the furniture in and it's like it's applause worthy once this oh. it comes together. It's just beautiful. And then uh, the costumes, uh, Jacqueline Gilchrist does the costumes. They're just gorgeous, like beautiful, chic 60s fashion. Mm -hmm. Like I want to I want to know where Corey shops. Yeah. Like I just I, I like it's like she's got this one outfit where it's like these kind of like gorgeous flare pants and this scarf and they're just gorgeous so um and then a really some really nice sound design too uh jason king is the sound designer so like some nice like 60s little like interludes and yeah so it's like it's definitely a really nice period piece as well um so i really quite enjoyed the show and it, it's obviously quite funny there's so, some like 
little bits of like, you know, slapstick in there with all the door slamming and the, uh, yeah. And yeah, anyway, uh, quite enjoyed it. Uh, it's running until the 14th at Blue Bridge here in Quadra Village. And uh, yeah, if you're a Neil Simon fan and looking for a, I, I wouldn't even necessarily call it like an overly light piece of theater though. Like there were definitely some like heavier kind of awkward moment. Well, if you're not familiar with the plot, like I wasn't, I highly recommend it. It's a really solid production and it goes until the 14th at Blue Bridge. You know, it's interesting when you're saying that because similar with uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona, it's an old, you know, it's an old piece. It's mm -hmm. not 50 years old. It's mm -hmm. almost 500 years old. But again, it's a light piece, but it does have some deep parts to it and some, you know, worrisome misogyny in it and the ending. There's a near rape in it and a fight and uh, all this kind of stuff that's going on. And uh, traditionally, it's done sort of with a happy ending but I think that's the power of a director that they can do something different with that and in this case Christopher Waddell did something different with his where he didn't have sort of the happy ending uh, he had an end on uh, much more of a, a, a modern note mm -hmm. and I think that's what you're saying is interesting what can be done with an older play yeah um, you know still making it relevant for a modern audience yeah I mean in this case the script is the script and I think there were kind of like modern elements in this script even though it was 50 years old and maybe not unintentional modern mm -hmm. that I'm just viewing with a slightly different lens and mm -hmm. you know this you know in the the me too era you know it's or, or just as a younger woman in 2019 yeah. right but I I think like it, it was a good choice of, of a play like if you're choosing these I know that Bluebridge chooses these classic plays and I mean there's still problems with it like I get so tired of these like pervy old man characters like you yeah. know the the you know the the Victor Valesco character, like the first thing out of his mouth is like hitting on a younger woman. Mm, sure. Like, but like find me a play from the 1960s where that isn't the case. Yeah, right. Like yeah. that's kind of, you know, that's mounted on a regular basis yeah, anyway. No, right. No, so, but like, anyway, I, I really quite enjoyed it and would highly recommend it. Well, I think, I think you're right when it comes to choosing a play, like it's mm -hmm. uh, that's part of the trick of a theater company is choosing the right play for mm -hmm. the right time and what you're going to mount and when you're going to mount it. Um, the, the last one I saw, Constellations, the latest by Hapax Theatre, uh, it's very similar. It's a good play. It's a play I didn't know. I'd heard of, um, mainly because it was uh, when it debuted in on London. In, in London, uh, Sally Hawkins had the lead, and then when it debuted on Broadway, it was Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, Broadway debut. Oh. So I'd heard of the show, but I never had the chance to see it. Uh, Nick Payne, uh, British playwright Nick Payne, wrote it in 2012. Um, and it's a good choice for Hapax to do because uh, much like what they had done before with In On It, they had done in, Daniel McIver's In On It earlier this season, uh, this is another minimal set, relationship-based, non-linear two-hander uh, that's really rippling with uh, concept conceptual possibilities and really good sparky dialogue. Um, the two leads here are really strong. Um, it's a tough show to talk about without giving anything away, but if you want to think of it, it's a mashup of sliding doors and love story with a little bit of proof tossed in for a bit of intellectual rigor. Mm. So basically you're seeing, seeing half a dozen scenes, but you're seeing each of those half a dozen scenes, you know, roughly four or five times each. And it's all about the idea of a multiverse and uh, slight decisions get changed and maybe you react this way when I say this and maybe next time uh, if I said the same thing you would react this way and things would play out differently. So you see a relationship from uh, their first time they meet to uh, 
we assume the end of their relationship and you see that all played out in these infinite variations and it's really well done um, the two leads in it, uh, Brendan Elwell and Brianna Weens. I hadn't seen either of them on stage before. They had good chemistry together. Um, Weens was definitely the, uh, the stronger of the two, and I really enjoyed watching what she was doing with the material, and it seemed like she could have gone further with it as well. Um, uh, a lot of good things at work there. Aaron, Sma Aaron Smale uh, did an original score for it, which was really nice. Uh, Chad Jarvie Laidlaw's lighting nicely cross-faded between each aspect of reality so you had a good sense mm -hmm. of when things were shifting around um, and uh, the director Heather Jarvie uh, she displayed a really good confidence with the concept and she kept her cast moving well throughout the whole thing but I would have really liked to have seen a bit more uh, emotional range in the actors like in some scenes it seemed like they were ready to go and they just never had that chance. Mm. So given the type of show it was, where you're seeing the same scene done repeatedly, you're just hoping for a bit more variation in those. And sometimes it was there, but you know, not as much as it would have been good to see. But you know, you, you, you never know what the director has in mind, and uh, maybe they, she didn't want to push it that far and stuff. But uh, tight little, uh, it's about 80, 85 minutes long, mm. and uh, just really clever, really good script. Uh, good situations and a good chance to see a show that nobody else in town has done yet. I could see the Belfry doing this in a couple of years hmm. um, because it is a, such a clever script. So Constellations, uh, it's running down at the Intrepid Theatre Club uh, for next weekend as well, July 12th and 13th. Great, cool. Yeah. yeah. Great. So on to some news. Um, I guess the big news that broke today was... Uh, Atomic Productions being sold to MRG Group out of Vancouver. That was yeah. That was huge. You yeah. know, it's interesting. Like you say, just broke today. Today being Monday. Yeah. Uh, right after the weekend, uh, I certainly hadn't heard bits and pieces, or I hadn't heard anything about it. But with the bits and pieces of what's been going on this year with Rufflandia, with Rock the Shores, and things like that, now this comes out, and you kind of wonder. Has it been cooking for a while? Was this part yeah. of the whole thing? Uh, who knows? Yeah, who and knows? I mean, unfortunately, by the time this podcast gets uploaded, <laughs> there'll probably be a lot more information yeah. out there than what we have right now. Um, but uh, according to the media release from MRG, um, they've also purchased the Capitol Ballroom in a separate uh deal so so it's atomic productions and capital ballroom yeah. mm -hmm. and mrg is national canada -wide? yes mm -hmm. yeah. yeah based in vancouver though so, so. It includes riplandia festival um and then i guess i'm not sure phillips does it say i mean all it says uh is atomic productions whose portfolio includes riflandia festival phillips backyard we mm -hmm. rock the shores and more so they mention these right. events mm -hmm. which Makes you think that they're going to continue to produce yeah. them. Right. Well, it's, yeah, Rufflandia expected to come back 2020. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess we'll get more details from uh, Mike Devlin. Looking yeah, at you, looking yeah, at you. I'm sure by the time this goes and, up, yeah. Mike's story. Who, but um, yeah, will be just a little homage to Atomic. Yeah. Um, you know, run by many of our friends as well. But we've all been report art supporters in town for years and it's you know 20 years ago when I first started was going to cover atomic shows and at all over town and they started before then out of um, you know promoting promoting events so definitely has been the sort of lead local 
concert promotion group oh, yeah. in town, and it's great and has fostered so many great careers of young people, you know, going into arts promotion and going mm-hmm. into the arts. Lots of artists who have worked part time. Yeah. yeah, lots of people got their start. Given lots know. of local bands and singers great opportunities yeah. throughout the years to appear on their stages, and mm-hmm. I, can, I can't even imagine what Victoria's musical landscape would be like over the last twenty years without a Tommy. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. after you do something for twenty years, you know, I can see why you'd want to maybe. Mm-hmm do something different mm. <laughs> it's a yeah. long time yeah and I, so. and I hope this new company sees the value in those local connections and building that community building mm-hmm. and really continues that I, I can't see how it wouldn't like yeah. that's what the value is and um, you know there's so many young people in Victoria who like the university crowd who are always into discovering new bands and seeing you know shows but then there's also a lot of artsy music loving people who go out and want to you know see great bands and well and they've got the connections you know um they run the Vogue in vancouver they run the imperial ballroom vancouver so you might see some different acts yeah but you know may not have come over yeah and with a national venue network it may yeah you're right it may help with uh I got a Some list of people shows. I would love to see come to town. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, you know, there's a lot of acts that just don't seem to come yeah. here, so yeah. maybe we will. Maybe and they we'll go to see, Vancouver. Or... Yeah, maybe we'll see the Decemberists come to town. You know, it's been years. Jenny Lewis, um, I've been on my wish list for years. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I guess we'll we'll see what we'll happens. See what happens. Yeah. And, Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess this was announced a couple weeks ago, but we have a new Victoria. Artists in residence. Also in music news, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, Catherine Calder. Yeah. So fantastic. Sings with the new pornographers. She's been a mainstay of Victoria's music industry for years. She used to mm-hmm. sing with Immaculate Machine. Um, I think it's pretty exciting to have a musician as an artist in residence. I don't know what that's going to be. Exactly, yeah, and I'm so looking forward to whatever she has planned. Yeah. yeah. I think it could be some really interesting stuff, and I'm sure she'll bring other artists in as well. So, and she clearly knows Victoria very well and has lots of connections. So I'm lots sure it'll be yeah. creative and interesting. So, yeah, yeah. and you got to wonder what kind of like legacy project she has in yeah. mind. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't just like pick a name out of a hat. Like, you have to come in with a pretty strong proposal yeah. and vision. And so, I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see what Catherine. Uh, has in mind so yeah. and how she does it yeah you know because one of the one of the criticisms for Lindsay Delarond as the indigenous artist in residence was that she had done these ephemeral performances like a lot of performance art where if you didn't see it it was gone as opposed to something like Luke Ramsey's murals that are there mm-hmm. and you can see them mm-hmm. so with a musical uh, person coming in as the artist in residence so, you know again it has this sort of ephemeral nation mm-hmm. or nature to it so mm-hmm. how how Which does I that like, work because I think I like that idea yeah. I like it I think that was part of the big the impact with Lindsay's work as well is that you had you know you had to show up oh yeah no no and, I um, or or maybe you just stumble upon it yeah. and it would be something really you know emotional yeah it was like more about relationship building yep. and I think that was yeah yeah but yeah, not not what you not might. that Lutz wasn't you know like he had a lot of he worked with a lot of people to it wasn't just him sitting no, no. there painting murals by himself yeah. and lots of fostering of he young did, talent yeah. and yeah. You know, engaging yeah. the community. I feel like he had every kid in town mm-hmm. like watching him paint those murals, yeah. especially you know at the ballpark and at the beach and yeah, it was quite a big deal. So yeah, good stuff to come. Yeah. Well, if people want to meet Catherine Calder, is the artist in residence. She's having a meet and greet down at the Cameron Bandshell on July seventeenth. Great, so people are more than welcome to go down a couple hours that day. 
uh, say hi and uh, Ask see her what, what she's, she's got. In mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's great. Awesome. Um, so speaking of music, uh, I put together a little music documentary. I spoke with uh, David Bodrug. He is with the Garden City Music Society and the Wonderment Music Series. It's a series of uh, ambient music shows. They've got one coming up in August. And I visited their concert in the library courtyard that featured the Righteous Rainbows of Togetherness back in May. So I put together a little package uh, about that. So I thought I would play it and we could listen to that for a little bit. Cool. I am David Bodrug. I am the past president and secretary of the Garden City Electronic Music Society. I'm also the curator for the Wonderment series. Uh, well, the idea with Wonderment is to kind of set up systems um, and multi-channel systems. We try to um, get wide dispersion of, of the audio coming out of the system, um, so it's ambient. Um, the idea with the public parks was that as you entered the public park, um, we started with beatless ambient music and it was almost a sound sculpture type thing where as you entered the park, the uh, sounds coming from the system kind of blended in with the natural ambience of the park and um, we try to um, keep speakers kind of hidden away and and the artists as well um, are low-key we don't have like a traditional stage and two columns of speakers set up you know the the whole i guess idea of your curatorial vision is is kind of to instill a sense of wonderment in people encountering these events over the years the audience has grown enough that when you walk into the park you can see that something's going on right away and anytime we use a new venue um, we're usually a bit low low-key on the uh, promotion just to kind of test it out with the regular users of that park or in, in this case the, the courtyard at the library. We're kind of past the point of um, I guess people just wandering into the events blindly. Um, there's uh, quite a, enough people coming specifically for these events that um, but it's, it's more of like a community gathering type thing now. But the music policy and vision still stay, stays the same. Um, we also like to have the artists um, kind of on the ground, not on a stage, accessible to people. A lot of electronic shows, you're watching an artist from their front um, and you actually don't see what they're doing. So we like to position the artists in a way that if people are curious, they can go up and actually see what the, the craft of electronic music is. And it's a, usually a slower paced kind of performance scenario. So, um, you know, we've had moments where um, artists can actually interact with people as they come up. And, kids are curious. We've had a couple of artists that have actually let kids touch the gear and modulate um, sound and kind of get their hands on. Um, we, we do do workshop type things. We've got a series called the Synth Petting Zoo that we're um, going to be probably bringing back in the fall. Um, and that series is basically where electronic musicians bring 
you know, their favorite gear out to a community center type environment um, and invite the public. Uh, their musicians come, people who have never touched electronic gear before and they all have the ability to go and try out different pieces of gear and ask the owners about, you know, how it works and um, for people getting started out in electronic music, it's a great experience to interact with the artist community and overall, um, the goal of the Electronic Music Society is, is to um, advance electronic music and um, we feel strongly that by inviting the public in to interact with artists, with the technology, that the public will become more educated about what's involved in electronic music and performance and production. And through that, you know, ultimately we're going to develop a critical audience which will just raise the bar in terms of the music that's being made in, in the region. So that was a little teaser of the doc and I'm going to put, we're going to put the full one up on the podcast as well. Um, they do have, I think, like two or three free concerts coming up August long weekends. Um, there's one over at, on the Johnson Street Bridge. There's one in Banfield Park. And then I think they also have some evening programming over at Studio Rabazzo. Um, and you can find uh, out more about that at gcems.ca. And uh, we'll have the full documentary up for you to listen to as well. Excellent. Cool. So coming up, what's coming up? Yeah, quite a few things coming yeah. up, that's for sure. Um, also, uh, in the outdoor world, uh, coming up this weekend, July 12th to the 14th, it's one of my favorite little theater festivals in town, Scampede, Theater Scam yeah, Scampede. Yeah, totally. Uh, used to be called Bike Ride. Uh, that's the one where uh, it's uh, it's about a dozen uh, companies uh, set up along the Galloping Goose, and you can ride your bike, or you take your skateboard, or you can walk it, or use your little scooter, or however you want to get to the shows. Then you go and you see a series of really short, like 10-minute shows. And it's super fun. If people haven't done it before, I totally encourage everyone to do it because it's a nice way to get out and meet the community and ride your bike and see little plays in unusual settings. Over the years, I've seen them like on wharves, in the bushes, on the bridge, um, all sorts of spots along the goose. And it's really fun to see how people pair the site with the story that they're doing. So Scampede, uh, July 12th to the 14th. That's my pick. Yeah. And it's free. It's yeah. totally free. There's no reason not to go. Well, I won't be here. Well, that's a good reason to not go. Yeah, I'll but be at base. If you're free, if you're free and you want to do something for free, go to Scampede. I'm sad to miss it. It's I'm going to go. It's always I'll so try. fun. Yeah. What else is coming up? Um, the art gallery painting <laughs> on Moss Street. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much easier when it was the Moss, Moss Street painting. I know. Now it's, you know, it's got to have a sponsor. Everything has a sponsor these days. Um, so that's on July 20th. Always an amazing event. It is one of my favorite of the summer art all the way from Fort Street to Dallas Road. Yeah. Um, crazy crowds, but happy crowds. And just seeing artists work and seeing some of like your favorite artists in town who are you know seeing their work up front and, and getting to, I don't know, check them out and look at ogle paintings you might never be able to afford. <laughs> but also the discovery <laughs> artists too, people totally. you don't know. 
uh, doing really unusual things last year. I remember mm. running across the uh, the people who had made fountains out of old musical instruments. So yeah. like a tuba oh, with what? a French horn coming out of the tuba bell cool. and water spewing out of the That's whole amazing. thing. It was really yeah. amazing. And the guy who makes uh, little sculptures out of old toasters and forks and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so they have, yeah, it's a little bit of everything I really yeah. enjoyed. I feel awesome. like it's a who's who and it's a mixed bag of different yeah. stuff. Yeah, so agreed. There's always a good band playing in it at the art gallery and... Yeah. yeah, it's just a fun event. And the art gallery itself is open that day as well, and there's quite a few uh, really great shows on right now. You should pop in and see Megan Dickey's show, uh, Christian Giroux. Um, he's got a show in there as well. Uh, and the new Asian art show just opened. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I hear it's very good as well. Cool. Um, yeah. I just, speaking of art, I just saw a picture of the new Guthrie Globe sculpture of oh, yeah. Madrona as a giant driftwood bison oh wow it so looks cool. incredible i'm it's gonna pop like, by and see yeah that. it's mm-hmm. like it looks almost life-size it's yeah like massive it looks yeah incredible. that's very cool yeah. um also on july 26 to 28th the phillips backyard weekender with a pretty cool lineup danny brown dirty projectors um steel pulse shad chaos for mm-hmm. cbc fans <laughs> And, uh, yeah, some great art deco, a good uh, local local group. Um, always a super fun event as well. It seems like every year it just gets better organized. And, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's always, I find it a delightful event mm-hmm. to attend. So That one I'll be out of town for, which is I'm kind of sad about. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Great to see. Great. Um, yeah, and then I guess next time we get together it'll probably be August. And yeah. we'll be getting into fringe mode. Yeah strategize our fringe coverage and yeah we'll have to figure all that out oh yeah. my god i can't believe it's all it's almost that time of year <laughs> no, i know really nothing says the end of summer like fringe well uh thanks for listening bit of a long episode today but we, gosh we had a lot to talk about yeah um july used to be a quiet time for theater oh, i can't believe how busy it so was so busy last last week there was eight shows and and it just all the festivals in yep. july and That's all true. the theater it was just packed yeah. So thanks for sticking with us. Um, if you have any feedback, check the program yyj at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Check the Program. Um, I think we'll probably leave with some Catherine Calder music. Sounds appropriate. Good. Yeah. Um, until next time, I'm Amanda Farrell Lowe. I'm Sarah Petrescu. I'm John Threlfall. And don't forget to check, check the program. program.